Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. I have been having so much fun lately. This this podcast is becoming a bigger part of my business and my life. Uh, as I've told the story many a times over the last three and a half years, I started it with the idea of doing 50 shows. I never had any idea that we would be closing in on 350. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is episode number 348. So we're just two shows away from whopping 350. And uh, like I said, I I didn't have that as my intention. I really thought I was starting a little personal uh, university for myself where I could find 50 successful people and ask them anything I wanted about entrepreneurship. And therefore, I would be more inspired with my own business That has happened, but what came along was a pretty loyal audience of people who like the show, who refer guests to me for the show, and uh, I've made some of the best friends I've ever made. I I never realized that podcasting was actually the best networking tool that was ever invented on the face of the world. Uh, This weekend, I was at a podcaster's conference. I was there for the second time, and I was with a group of people, some of whom I met before, some of whom I didn't, and before it was over, there was a group of six of us who were going to start sort of a comedy podcast, not really so much as comedy, but just six guys just sort of riffing on business and life. And uh, we're hoping that what we did in the bar and in the Uber, how funny we thought we were, is going to translate to everybody else. So uh, that's probably a few months away, but uh, we all seem to be the driven type. So I expect that I will be telling you about sort of a a different model of podcast that I'm going to be participating in here pretty soon. But for the meantime... Here we are. It's another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, where I invite entrepreneurs who are living the hustle and doing the work. And today is no different. Today, we have Susan Fowler. Now, her and her husband own and operate Fowler Studios, which they do uh, photography and video studio work, and they are located in Virginia, but they also host the Full-Time Hustle podcast, which I think is just awesome because if you're an entrepreneur, it's hard to do it part-time. People do. There's exceptions. But uh, most people think, oh, I'm going to start this business. I'll work. I'll have a four-hour work week, and I'll be on the beach. And then they find out they're lucky to have a four-hour sleep night. So, uh, you know, we know that it is a full-time hustle if you're going to be in this world of entrepreneurship. So, Susan, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm glad that you reached out. I have to tell you, I'm going to I'm gonna tell how Susan ended up on the show because a lot of times people end up on the show because I meet them. I don't take a lot of pitches. A lot of people who, I have a lot of people who write me, a lot of PR firms who write me to get their people on and I pretty much ignore them because I get so many of them. Sometimes I write back and say, oh, that's not the right fit. But Susan listened to the episode when Jessica Pettit and I were doing the five mistakes of podcast hosts and the five mistakes of podcast guests. And I believe she's listened to other episodes. But in that episode, I said, you know, it really bugs me when people want to come on the show and then they don't retweet it. They don't put it on their Facebook. They they don't do anything to promote it. And like the next day after the show launched last week, I got an email that said, if I'm on your show, I will promote your show. And she was booked before I ever read the email. I didn't even know what she did. She could have been, you know, she could have been selling paper clips out of the back of her car. And she was on this show because she, she listened, turned my words back around on me. So that's, that's a really good way to get on my show is quote me and I'll put you on apparently. So, (laughs) so Susan, you know, I, I don't really do bios of people. I like you to describe what you are. So what is Fowler Studios? What's your background? What got you into entrepreneurship? Well, 
First of all, I never wanted to be an entrepreneur ever. That was my number one thing. My dad owned a business my whole life and I saw how much work it was. Oh, let me interrupt and, you. On the last episode when I interviewed Stephanie Malik, she and I had this conversation that entrepreneurship <laughs> seems to skip a generation because if your parents are an entrepreneur, you're like, no way. And if your parents exactly. are, and if your parent is a hospital administrator, you're like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, unfortunately, I married an entrepreneur. So uh, I watched him, you know, my husband, Josh, he would start businesses and then it drove me nuts because it wasn't the way I would do it. And but I was <laughs> and nothing is better in a marriage than having your spouse go, I could do it better and then exactly. not and then not be involved. <laughs> so um, we've been married a couple of years. In 2010, uh, we started actually I started a company called Fowler Photo. I was just doing photography. I wasn't going to own my own business. I just wanted to volunteer for an organization. And I had to be a professional photographer to do that. So I just took out a business license and became a professional photographer. <laughs> that, now that into itself is entrepreneurial. I want to be there. And I want to play in that sandbox. And they say I can't play unless I have a photography business. Business cards cost nine ninety five. Yep. So I did that. And then um, I, I figured if I'm going to do this and have a camera, I might as well make a little money at it. And then things progressed. We moved to a new area. And all of a sudden, my husband was introducing me as, oh, my wife, she's a photographer. And I was like, I am a photographer. Yes, that is what I do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, you were thinking, does he have another wife? Oh, wait, that's me. That's me. Yes. And so, uh, it, you know, it grew from there. And then he my husband loves He's maybe a little bit ADHD and maybe a lot. And he loves to do, to learn things. So he'll learn, he'll get into something and he'll learn like crazy. And he got into video and started learning like crazy. And I could see where it was headed. And so I figured this is my chance to be involved in a business that he does and to control it. No, um, <laughs> of the two of us, he, he is, he can run a business all day but maybe not the back end as well as I can. I can, you know, do the back end of things and keep the business going. He can get new sales all day. But um, so we ended up adding video to the company. We changed our name to Fowler Studios. And then it wasn't just a few more years before he quit his full-time job. And all of a sudden, our whole family is surviving off of this income. And so that was an eye-opener for me. I was like, oh, wait. I own a business. <laughs> <laughs> well, the great news is, is your husband jumped in and said, I'm going to add video because since he did that in the last like five years, videos become like the hottest thing out there. So you oh, were a yeah. little, you were a little bit ahead of the curve. So that's probably a good thing. It was great. It was great. And we, it's a really good match. Go, you know, go like, home tonight and tell him, by the way, honey, you're a visionary. He, it, he really is though. I mean, I, I actually tell him that stuff all the time. He's, <laughs> he is so much more of an entrepreneur than I am, but I've learned that there are two sides to it. You know, you can't have a business if you can't keep it going. And so between the two of us, he's always pushing us to do new things. And I'm always looking at the checkbook before we do it. And that's a really good balance. <laughs> <laughs> so you talked about how you kind of got into it through the, through the back door that your parents were entrepreneurs. You didn't want to be an entrepreneur, but now that you are and your family is all working together, you're like the, the, the partridge family of entrepreneurship here. <laughs> what, what do you love about the life of entrepreneurship? The schedule. I mean, you cannot beat the schedule. And, and that means sometimes that we're working until three and 4 a.m. or that we're working every weekend sometimes. But, you know, if my kids have some little award ceremony at school, I can drop everything and go. Or, you know, if there's a doctor appointment, we don't have to schedule it around work or ask time off. 
I can just take time off and work a different set of hours that day. And it's not a big deal. And well, like the podcast, we're able to do things that we wouldn't otherwise normally be able to do because we have the time to do them. Well, and it's, it's true. So I was one time uh, doing a broadcast at a conference where my teenage daughter was there and it was for the National Speakers Association. And, and during, they were simulcasting all the keynotes to people who couldn't make it to the, the conference. And my friend uh, Eliz Green and I have a program called the Conference Talk Show, where we actually, instead of you just putting a sign up when you're simulcasting uh, a conference that says, you know, back in 20 minutes, your home audience goes away. They think, oh, I can go do the dishes and they turn on Days of Our Lives and that's it. They never come back and watch the rest of your thing. So Eliz and I created this program for simulcasts where we come on as we used to say Matt and Savannah in the morning, but we can't say that anymore because of what happened to Matt. So now we're like, I guess, Hoda and Savannah in the morning. Um, and we banter and we talk and we interview all the keynote speakers and we interview people who are in attendance. And one time, one of the keynoters who was scheduled didn't come over during the break because he was being swarmed by people saying how great he was. And my daughter was walking by and we had kind of dead air. It was like day two or three. We'd kind of been talked out. I'm like, Jackie, come here. And I sat her down in the chair and she's not my like totally like easygoing one who could just jump on camera of my kids. And she was at the youth program that they have. NSA does a teen leadership program during their conference. And she was one of the counselors in the program for the younger kids. She was like 17. And I'm like, what's it like to be the child of a professional speaker? And she looks right at the camera without missing a beat and goes, well, you're gone a lot. And I thought, oh, my God, she's just going to throw me under the bus on a broadcast, you know. Oh, no. And then she smiles and says, but you know what's great? When you're home, you're 100% home. My friend whose parents are lawyers or doctors – they, they never get to come to the school things during the day, and they often can't make the ones at night. She goes, but if you're in within the city limits of Austin, you're like 100% engaged with whatever I need you to be engaged with. And she's like, so we put up with the travel. She goes, I think I see more of you than my friends whose parents have regular jobs. And I was like, wow. I mean, like, I never had, I'd never noticed the kids noticed that before. I hope they do. <laughs> Mine are uh, four and six right now, so I think it's uh, yeah. We don't we don't have that payoff yet. <laughs> so so four and six, Susan. Do you know how cute they are right now? They're adorable. They're adorable. They're adorable. I want you to enjoy it because they grow up and turn on you and go to the most expensive colleges in America. That. That is totally what I'm scared of. <laughs> <laughs> and then they don't want to come home in the summer. And then, you know, they get a boyfriend. All these things happen. So, Oh, yes. It, it, yeah. I'm just... still their hero right now. My daughter <laughs> wants to be a photographer when she grows up. So, nice. And she keeps, uh, she's six and she keeps buying. She uses her money. She makes money at home, uses that money, goes to Target, buys toys, and then wants me to do video of her opening them up so she can post it on YouTube. Oh, she's an un- an unboxer, right? So she's doing the yes. videos of unboxing things. That's, here's my new like Barbie. Dollar items. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Here I'm unboxing. I'm unboxing Malibu Barbie. Yes, yes. But I mean, I see that entrepreneur side in her, and so I I mean, she's only six right now. So we're trying to just play it cool because what is it? As soon as you want your kids to do something, yeah, they don't want to do it. it. Yeah, yeah. So that, she'll, like, she'll be a bank. She'll, she'll be a bank president. Like, get, get, put me yes. in a corporate job. I don't want anything to do with this photography stuff. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, is there anything about the entrepreneurial life you don't love? Are there ever days when you look at your husband and think, "I could work for an insurance company, and you could work for a bank"? <laughs> um. Yes and no. I'm I'm the like overly practical person in our marriage, and so for me, I see now that I now that we're in it. I see that it is really the best thing for us. Uh, my husband 
you know, we've both worked in all different kinds of jobs. We moved around a lot before we had kids. And, you know, it's kind of like if something cool came our way, we would just up and move for it because we could. We paid off all our debt and we we had a very low cost of living. And so we just we would take those opportunities. And that just I don't know. It, it showed me that I would rather this. Not that we're living this way, but I would rather be poor and be able to do what I want to do than to be stuck in a job and feel like I have to be there. And I love working in an office. I, I did all kinds of cool office jobs before, and I loved it. I, I didn't go into accounting because I thought that I wouldn't like working in a cubicle. Turns out I loved working in a cubicle, but <laughs> it, it isn't the same as this. And so I could be happy wherever I am, but you know, being an entrepreneur, it's I can I can make my own business. It is better job security than than any other job. That's what I discovered. I got laid off a bunch of times, not because of anything I did, but because the economy or the company hit bumps in the road and, you know, they had to make decisions and the owner of the company kept their lake house and I got laid off. And it was like, you know, that's totally fair. That's the way it works. But, uh, you know, for the last nine years I've worked for myself and while it hasn't all been gravy, uh, you know, I haven't laid myself off yet. So that's a, that's a nice turn of events. Exactly. So let's switch gears here a little bit. What's it like to work with your spouse? Because I think a lot of people who go into entrepreneurship think, oh, that would be so wonderful or, or just the opposite. Like they won't like, like my wife and I have a great relationship. She has no desire. Now she's really organized. If she ran my business, I'd probably have and did sales. I'd probably have twice the business, but she wants to have a separation between, you know, the, the, what we do for a living and, and, and our life. So what's it like to really dive in and have this 24 seven thing going? You know, for us, it's perfect. I, I do think it's, it's important to realize if that's not the perfect thing for your marriage. <laughs> yeah, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. That was the advice. Well, I tried to push my wife into the business and a friend said, if you don't want to don't. And I said, well, it's probably good advice. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's really not for everybody, but for us, like we just work really well as a team. We did several other jobs where we worked together before this. Um, when we were first married, we were in a ton of debt and we had, we were trying to pay it all off. So we both went and got jobs as pizza delivery people <laughs> and we worked at the same place. <laughs> and like, we had to talk our boss into it because no one wants to hire a husband and wife. Like there's no quicker yeah, way to bring you, the team down. You need the same days off usually. Yes, we do. Um, but we were kind of willing to do whatever. And we we proved to ourselves and our boss there that um, that we could do it. And we really enjoyed it. It was neat to be at work and see him. But like we didn't have to. It was time together, but we didn't have to have like a meaningful conversation or anything. Right. And it just allows us to have more time together. And I like that. And I truly feel like we are better together than as individuals. So we play off of off of those strengths and weaknesses. If there's a a client that I feel like will work better with him, I send them to him. And likewise, if somebody, you know, works better with, you know, females or we are a female owned business, I started it. And so that's definitely a benefit as well. Um, so we like it. There are definitely times where, you know, there are discussions, maybe strong discussions <laughs> while we're folding laundry or something. And he's like, we need to separate the business and, and forget it all. And I'm like, no, we don't like hmm. we're upset with each other, but this, this isn't, we want to be together and we are stronger in this business together than apart. But, um, so what, yeah. is, what advice do you have for somebody who wants to go start their own business? Maybe they've always had the calling or maybe they need to volunteer and they're accidentally starting a business so they can get in with their photography license or whatever. What, what advice do you have for someone who's just starting out? 
go to business school. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> I did not. I did not. Um, and I think that formal education is great, but as long as you're getting the education, I mean, we have the internet now. Like, I was going to say they should listen to your podcast, my podcast more often because I, I learned so much listening to podcasts that it's like having like a little college in my earbuds. It really is. I love when you say that too. I was taking a run the other day listening to your podcast and it is. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. I have been having so much fun lately. This this podcast is becoming a bigger part of my business and my life. Uh, as I've told the story many a times over the last three and a half years, I started it with the idea of doing 50 shows. I never had any idea that we would be closing in on 350. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is episode number 348. So we're just two shows away from whopping 350. And uh, like I said, I, I didn't have that as my intention. I really thought I was starting a little personal uh, university for myself where I could find 50 successful people and ask them anything I wanted about entrepreneurship. And therefore, I would be more inspired with my own business that has happened, but what came along was a pretty loyal audience of people who like the show, who refer guests to me for the show, and uh, I've made some of the best friends I've ever made. I, I never realized that podcasting was actually the best networking tool that was ever invented on the face of the world. Uh, this weekend, I was at a podcaster's conference. I was there for the second time, and I was with a group of people. Some of them I met before, some of them I didn't, and before it was over, there was a group of six of us who were going to start sort of a comedy podcast, not really so much as comedy, but just six guys just sort of riffing on business and life. And uh, we're hoping that what we did in the bar and in the Uber, how funny we thought we were, is going to translate to everybody else. So uh, that's probably a few months away, but uh, we all seem to be the driven type. So I expect that I will be telling you about sort of a, a different model of podcast that I'm going to be participating in here pretty soon. But for the meantime, here we are. It's another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, where I invite entrepreneurs who are living the hustle and doing the work. And today is no different. Today, we have Susan Fowler. Now, her and her husband own and operate Fowler Studios, which they do uh, photography and video studio work. And they are located in Virginia, but they also host the Full-Time Hustle podcast, which I think is just awesome because if you're an entrepreneur, it's hard to do it part-time. People do. There's exceptions. But uh, most people think, oh, I'm going to start this business. I'll work. I'll have a four-hour work week and I'll be on the beach. And then they find out they're lucky to have a four-hour sleep night. So, uh, you know, we know that it is a full-time hustle if you're going to be in this world of entrepreneurship. So, Susan, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm glad that you reached out. I have to tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell how Susan ended up on the show because a lot of times people <laughs> end up on the show because I meet them. I don't take a lot of pitches. A lot of people who, I have a lot of people who write me, a lot of PR firms who write me to get their people on and I pretty much ignore them because I get so many of them. Sometimes I write back and say, oh, that's not the right fit. But Susan listened to the episode when Jessica Pettit and I were doing the five mistakes of podcast hosts and the five mistakes of podcast guests. 
And I believe she's listened to other episodes. But in that episode, I said, you know, it really bugs me when people want to come on the show and then they don't retweet it. They don't put it on their Facebook. They, they don't do anything to promote it. And like the next day after the show launched last week, I got an email that said, if I'm on your show, I will promote your show. And she was booked before I ever read the email. I didn't even know what she did. She could have been, you know, she could have been selling paper clips out of the back of her car. And she was on this show because she she listened, turned my words back around on me. So that's that's a really good way to get on my show is quote me and I'll put you on apparently. So, so Susan, you know, I, I don't really do bios of people. I like you to describe what you are. So what is Fowler Studios? What's your background? What got you into entrepreneurship? Well, First of all, I never wanted to be an entrepreneur ever. That was my number one thing. My dad owned a business my whole life and I saw how much work it was. Oh, let me interrupt and, you. On the last episode when I interviewed Stephanie Malik, she and I had this conversation that entrepreneurship <laughs> seems to skip a generation because if your parents are an entrepreneur, you're like, no way. And if your parents exactly. are, and if your parent is a hospital administrator, you're like, no way. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Um, Unfortunately, I married an entrepreneur. So uh, I watched him, you know, my husband, Josh, he would start businesses and then it drove me nuts because it wasn't the way I would do it. And (laughs) And nothing is better in a marriage than having your spouse go, I could do it better and then not and then not be involved. (laughs) So um, we've been married a couple of years. In 2010, uh, we started actually I started a company called Fowler Photo. I was just doing photography. I wasn't going to own my own business. I just wanted to volunteer for an organization and I had to be a professional photographer to do that. So I just took out a business license and became a professional photographer. <laughs> that, now that into itself is entrepreneurial. I want to be there and I want to play in that sandbox and they say I can't play unless I have a photography business. Business cards cost nine ninety five. Yep. So I did that. And then um, I I figured if I'm going to do this and have a camera, I might as well make a little money at it. And then things progressed. We moved to a new area. And all of a sudden, my husband was introducing me as, oh, my wife, she's a photographer. And I was like, I am a photographer. Yes, that is what I do. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. You were thinking, does he have another wife? Oh, wait, that's me. That's me. Yes. And so, uh, you know, it grew from there. And then he my husband loves He's maybe a little bit ADHD and maybe a lot, and he loves to do, to learn things. So he'll learn, he'll get into something and he'll learn like crazy. And he got into video and started learning like crazy and I could see where it was headed. And so I figured this is my chance to be involved in a business that he does and to control it. No, Um, (laughs) of the two of us, he, he is, he can run a business all day but maybe not the back end as well as I can. I can, you know, do the back end of things and keep the business going. He can get new sales all day. But um, so we ended up adding video to the company. We changed our name to Fowler Studios. And then it wasn't just a few more years before he quit his full-time job. And all of a sudden, our whole family is surviving off of this income. And so that was an eye-opener for me. I was like, oh, wait. I own a business. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the great news is, is your husband jumped in and said, I'm going to add video because since he did that in the last like five years, videos become like the hottest thing out there. So you were a little, you were a little bit ahead of the curve. So that's probably a good thing. It was great. It was great. And we, it's a really good match. Go go home tonight and tell him, by the way, honey, you're a visionary. He, he really is though. I mean, I I actually tell him that stuff all the time. He's, (laughs) he is 
so much more of an entrepreneur than I am, but I've learned that there are two sides to it. You know, you can't have a business if you can't keep it going. And so between the two of us, he's always pushing us to do new things. And I'm always looking at the checkbook before we do it. And that's a really good balance. <laughs> <laughs> so you talked about how you kind of got into it through the through the back door that your parents were entrepreneurs. You didn't want to be an entrepreneur. But now that you are and your family is all working together, you're like the, the, the partridge family of entrepreneurship here. <laughs> what what do you love about the life of entrepreneurship? The schedule. I mean, you cannot beat the schedule. And and that means sometimes that we're working until 3 and 4 a.m. or that we're working every weekend sometimes. But, you know, if my kids have some little award ceremony at school, I can drop everything and go. Or, you know, if there's a doctor appointment, we don't have to schedule it around work or ask time off. I can just take time off and work a different set of hours that day. And it's not a big deal. And well, like the podcast, we're able to do things that we wouldn't otherwise normally be able to do because we have the time to do them. Well, and it's, it's true. So I was one time uh, doing a broadcast at a conference where my teenage daughter was there and it was for the National Speakers Association. And, and during, they were simulcasting all the keynotes to people who couldn't make it to the, the conference. And my friend uh, Eliz Green and I have a program called the Conference Talk Show, where we actually, instead of you just putting a sign up when you're simulcasting uh, a conference that says, you know, back in 20 minutes, your home audience goes away. They think, oh, I can go do the dishes and they turn on Days of Our Lives and that's it. They never come back and watch the rest of your thing. So Eliz and I created this program for simulcasts where we come on as we used to say Matt and Savannah in the morning, but we can't say that anymore because of what happened to Matt. So now we're like, I guess, Hoda and Savannah in the morning. Um, and we banter and we talk and we interview all the keynote speakers and we interview people who are in attendance. And one time, one of the keynoters who was scheduled didn't come over during the break because he was being swarmed by people saying how great he was. And my daughter was walking by and we had kind of dead air. It was, it was like day two or three. We'd kind of been talked out. And I'm like, Jackie, come here. And I sat her down in the chair and she's not my like totally like easygoing one who could just jump on camera of my kids. And she was at the youth program that they have. NSA does a teen leadership program during their conference. And she was one of the counselors in the program for the younger kids. She was like 17. And I'm like, what's it like to be the child of a professional speaker? And she looks right at the camera without missing a beat and goes, well, you're gone a lot. And I thought, oh, my God, she's just going to throw me under the bus on a broadcast, you know. Oh, no. And then she smiles and says, but you know what's great? When you're home, you're 100% home. My friend whose parents are lawyers or doctors – they, they never get to come to the school things during the day, and they often can't make the ones at night. She goes, but if you're in within the city limits of Austin, you're like 100% engaged with whatever I need you to be engaged with. And she's like, so we put up with the travel. She goes, I think I see more of you than my friends whose parents have regular jobs. And I was like, wow. I mean, like, I never had, <laughs> I'd never noticed the kids noticed that before. I hope they do. <laughs> Mine are uh, four and six right now, so I think it's uh, yeah. We don't we don't have that payoff yet. <laughs> so so four and six, Susan. Do you know how cute they are right now? They're adorable. They're adorable. They're adorable. I want you to enjoy it because they grow up and turn on you and go to the most expensive colleges in America. That. That is totally what I'm scared of. <laughs> <laughs> and then they don't want to come home in the summer. And then, you know, they get a boyfriend. All these things happen. So, oh, yes. It, it, yeah. I'm still their hero right now. My daughter <laughs> wants to be a photographer when she grows up. So, nice. and she keeps, uh, she's six and she keeps buying, she uses her money. She makes money at home, uses that money, goes to Target, 
buys toys and then wants me to do video of her opening them up so she can post it on YouTube. Oh, she's an un- an unboxer, right? So she's doing the yes. videos of unboxing <laughs> things. That's, here's my new like Barbie. Dollar items. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Here I'm unboxing. <laughs> I'm unboxing Malibu Barbie. Yes, yes. But I mean, I see that entrepreneur side in her, and so I. I mean, she's only six right now, so we're trying to just play it cool. Because what is it? As soon as you want your kids to do something, yeah, they don't want to do it. Yeah, Yeah, she'll she'll be a bank. She'll she'll be a bank president. Like, put me in a corporate job. I don't want anything to do with this photography stuff. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, is there anything about the entrepreneurial life you don't love? Are there ever days when you look at your husband and think, "I could work for an insurance company, and you could work for a bank"? (laughs) Um. Yes and no. I'm I'm the like overly practical person in our marriage. And so for me, I see now that I now that we're in it, I see that it is really the best thing for us. Uh, my husband, you know, we've both worked in all different kinds of jobs. We moved around a lot before we had kids. And, you know, it's kind of like if something cool came our way, we would just up and move for it because we could. We paid off all our debt and we we had a very low cost of living. And so we just we would take those opportunities and that just, I don't know. It, it showed me that I would rather this, not that we're living this way, but I would rather be poor and be able to do what I want to do than to be stuck in a job and feel like I have to be there. And I love working in an office. I, I did all kinds of cool office jobs before and I loved it. I, I didn't go into accounting cause I thought that I wouldn't like working in a cubicle. Turns out I loved working in a cubicle, but <laughs> It, it isn't the same as this. And so I could be happy wherever I am, but you know, being an entrepreneur, it's, I can, I can make my own business. It is better job security than, than any other job. That's what I discovered. I got laid off a bunch of times, not because of anything I did, but because the economy or the company hit bumps in the road and, you know, they had to make decisions and the owner of the company kept their lake house and I got laid off. And it was like, you know, that's totally fair. That's the way it works. But, uh, you know, for the last nine years, I've worked for myself. And while it hasn't all been gravy, uh, you know, I haven't laid myself off yet. So that's a, that's a nice turn of events. Exactly. So, so let's switch gears here a little bit. What's it like to work with your spouse? Because I think a lot of people who go into entrepreneurship think, oh, that would be so wonderful or, or just the opposite. Like they won't. Like, like my wife and I have a great relationship. She has no desire. Now, she's really organized. If she ran my business I'd probably have, and did sales, I'd probably have twice the business she wants to have a separation between, you know, the, the, what we do for a living and, and, and our life. So what's it like to really dive in and have this 24 seven thing going? You know, for us, it's perfect. I, I do think it's, it's important to realize if that's not the perfect thing for your marriage. <laughs> yeah, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. That was the advice. Oh. I tried to push my wife into the business and a friend said, if you don't want to don't. And I said, well, it's probably good advice. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's really not for everybody, but for us, like we just work really well as a team. We did several other jobs where we worked together before this. Um, when we were first married, we were in a ton of debt and we had, we were trying to pay it all off. So we both went and got jobs as pizza delivery people <laughs> and we worked at the same place. <laughs> and like, we had to talk our boss into it because no one wants to hire a husband and wife. Like there's no quicker yeah, way to bring you, the team down. You need the same days off usually. Yes, we do. Um, but we were kind of willing to do whatever. And we, we proved to ourselves and our boss there that, um, that we could do it. And we really enjoyed it. It was neat to be at work and see him, but like, we didn't have to, it was time together, but we didn't have to have like a meaningful conversation or anything. Right. And it just allows us to have more time together. And I like that. And 
I truly feel like we are better together than as individuals. So we play off of, off of those strengths and weaknesses. If there's a, a client that I feel like will work better with him, I send them to him. And likewise, if somebody, you know, works better with, you know, females or we are a female owned business, I started it. And so that's definitely a benefit as well. Um, so we like it. There are definitely times where, you know, there are discussions, maybe strong discussions <laughs> while we're folding laundry or something. And he's like, we need to separate the business and, and forget it all. And I'm like, no, we don't like mm-hmm. we're upset with each other, but this, this isn't, we want to be together and we are stronger in this business together than apart. But, um, so what yeah. is, what advice do you have for somebody who wants to go start their own business? Maybe they've always had the calling or maybe they need to volunteer and they're accidentally starting a business so they can get in with their photography license or whatever. What, what advice do you have for someone who's just starting out? Go to business school. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> I did not. I did not. Um, and I think that formal education is great, but as long as you're getting the education, I mean, we have the internet now. Like, I was going to say they should listen to your podcast, my podcast more often because I, I learned so much listening to podcasts that it's like having like a little college in my earbuds. It really is. I love when you say that too. I was taking a run the other day listening to your podcast and <laughs> it is, it's like I'm learning things every single day. And on, if I On the next to- episode, I'm going to say, hi, Susan, just in the middle of the episode because I know you're out for yeah. a run. Run an extra mile today, Susan. <laughs> um, but there's so much free information at our disposal that there's really no excuse for not learning that side of things. And I think a lot of people, they love, they're passionate about what they do and that's why they start a business, but it doesn't translate. If you can't, that's a hobby. If you can't make money consistently and long-term, then it's, it's just a flash in the pan. And that's not how I wanted to run our business. And so I would say definitely learn the business side of things, talk to a CPA, learn, learn how to, do an official business, not just start selling things like how to have a legal business and how to pay taxes. And it, it's so important. And I feel like that's what is usually left behind in the business side of things. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been doing this for nine years and I I do a fairly good job of keeping my taxes and stuff together. But every year when it comes up, it's like, ah, you know, there's always something that, because I'm not extravagantly organized, there's always something I'm backpedaling, trying to find. I didn't save the right receipts. I have to go, you know, call the company and get some stuff. And it's, it would be so much easier if like my wife, who's very organized, was like on top of that, like in February, you know, the year, <laughs> yeah. the year before, not February while I'm working on taxes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I mean, especially I'm in the photography world, you know, or the podcasting world, both. I feel like they're very creative and people love, love starting something. And I can't tell you how many people I know that have started a podcast and they have five episodes. They say seven, seven is the magic number where most of them die. (laughs) And we had like seven in the first week or something. No, in the first (laughs) couple weeks though, you know, and that is always my thing. My husband loves to start a business or he has this idea and I'm like, okay, great. Like, let's get a business plan together. And that's usually where things die. You know, that's where it it turns from an idea to a business and some things can, some things just aren't for us. Uh, But definitely learning the business side of things any way you can is invaluable. (laughs) That's that's, that's awesome advice. Hey, so I talk, one of the things I do in, in the presentations that I do for companies and associations is I talk about what I call the paradox of potential because we think, oh, 
you know, Bobby started a business or whatever it is. You know, he's going to be so successful. He has so much potential. And then the business never makes it or the podcast goes seven episodes and has pod fade or whatever. Why do you think for entrepreneurial people, there is this gap between potential and results? I think it is focus in the end. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, you want, you come up with so many ideas. There's so many things you want to do. And, you know, you start on something and then you hit a bump in the road and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to do this other thing. I'm good at this other thing. And then you hit a bump in the road there and you're like, maybe I'll go back to this. And it, it never pushes you past the point of, you know, of, of just an idea or a hobby or things like that, you know, and that's it really for me. That is, that is the main thing. Well, Susan, I've got a couple more questions for you, but first I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headaches out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. They do all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Stephanie Fowler. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know a lot of you do, jump on the internet, that, that www.webs thing, and go to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Susan, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing these days? These days is our podcast. That is our, I know everyone's starting a podcast when, these when did days. You, when did you start? We started in uh, February oh, of this year. Welcome, w- welcome, yeah. welcome to the world of pod. Yes. So I think we're about 30 episodes in right now. We really wanted to hit it a lot how, at the beginning. How many days a week are you doing it? Uh, we just went to two days a week. We okay. were three. Okay. And then we backed off. We knew that long term we want to do two days a week. Yep. And uh, it is so much fun. We get to interview people. We get to talk to, you know, different industries. And our, our goal is everyone, I feel like everyone has a side hustle but we want to take it to their full-time hustle for them to be able to pay their bills. So many of our friends, like they'll own a business, but they never think of it as something that they can do full-time. They just think of it as like their side work and they don't think they can ever actually pay their bills or pay their insurance with it. And the thing is it is possible. Like it's, we live in America. Anything is possible. <laughs> and um, so that, that is definitely the coolest thing we do. Full, uh, full-time hustle. It's awesome. Awesome. Well, check it out. They can find it, I assume, on iTunes and all the other places where podcasts are played. All of them, yes. Awesome. So I love to ask the people who come on this show who it is that they think are doing cool things because we could talk about about you and, and your Fowler Studios all day long, but I think great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to know, who do you see out there where you say, that person, they're doing something cool? Definitely uh, the Bucket List family. They Have you heard of them? I, I don't know the Bucket List family. Man, you're about to go down an Instagram rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> so I found them on Instagram. They're they're really big on YouTube. I don't watch a ton of YouTube videos. You know, that's that's what my kid watches when people are unboxing pictures. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so far out of the age de- demographic for that. I don't even know where to begin. Um, but these are the people that actually got me in into. I watch theirs at least. Uh, so it's this family. They they just actually had a third kid. Uh, the dad, Garrett, he sold, he made an app and then sold it to Snapchat for millions of dollars. <laughs> and then he went into get a professional job and he wasn't happy there. And they ended up, they, they put all of their money in either savings or investments. 
They sold everything they owned, had like 45 grand or something and started traveling the world. But they knew that they they wanted to do it kind of long term and they'd have to monetize it. So they had enough until their money ran out. I think they had a couple of months, maybe six months. And their goal was to monetize it and within those six months. And now it's been two years and they they're killing it. And it's just so neat because when you look at them, you don't think, oh, they're entrepreneurs. But when you dig, you're like, they're working their butts off, but they're going to do whatever they want. They get to travel wherever they want. People are tripping over themselves to get the bucket list family into their venue or whatever these days. And I mean, that's the dream right there, right? Hey, I mean, you know, I, I've seen weirder things make money. So that didn't, that didn't surprise me as much yeah. as it could have. Well, and it's just so cool that whatever you want to do, if you're really passionate and you can really do the business side of things, because you really got to gotta hit it hard on the sales and marketing there you can make your own spot in the market. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, everybody laughed at me behind my back. Of course, you know, when, when your friends talk about you behind your back, someone always rats them out so you hear about it. But when I wanted to become a professional speaker, they were mocking me, you know, Tony Robbins over there and all that. And I ran into somebody who I used to be close with in life. We didn't have falling out. Life just takes you different directions. He's like, oh my God, I've been following you online. You're really doing this. And I said, yeah, for nine years. And he goes, wow, I didn't think you'd make it. And I, I know he meant that as a compliment, but I, for a second, I wanted to just smack him. It was like, well, thank you. Thank you so much for that. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, I, I worked really hard at it too. I was that overnight success that has taken me nine years. Exactly. Exactly. And often the people that you're closest to are the ones that don't really realize what you do. They know you as a person, but they may not, you know, people that we have known our whole lives and they're like, I saw one of your videos. You're getting really good at that. And I'm like, so, I, yeah. So, so I used to be a photographer, so I didn't tell you that at the start of the show, but I, I photographed, oh, I didn't know that. yeah, I photographed over 150 weddings in my youth. I started out taking pictures at fraternity and sorority parties uh, for oh, the, for the party pick company that, I mean, you might be a little too young because uh, cell phones might've been around It kind of put that business out a little bit, but it used to be that uh, whenever there was a fraternity or sorority party, there was a local company that would be hired that would show up and would take all the pictures and then proof sheets would be delivered, like physical proof sheets would be delivered to the meetings on Monday and everybody could sign up and it was like a dollar fifty a picture or $2 a picture or whatever. So whenever there'd be a dance or, or anything like that. So I was the party pick photographer working for this guy who had a company called California Candids out at San Diego State. And I ended up becoming, by senior year, I was the head photographer. I was taking care of all the scheduling. There were four college campuses in San Diego. So I was the kind of in charge of all that. And then I got hired to run a company in Northern California as sort of the general manager doing the same thing. And that led me to a job in Texas. And on the side, I started photographing weddings because, you know, it was one of those things I'd done parties and group shots forever. And uh, so, yeah, so I was, I was a, a party pick photographer for a long time. But then when digital came out, it was still too new and it was really expensive and everybody wanted digital and I didn't have it. So I, I had a full-time corporate job. So I, I left that behind, but yeah, I used to be, I used to be Tom, the party pick photographer. <laughs> That's awesome. It is a cool industry. Weddings are fun because you, I mean, most people don't get to go to 20 something weddings a year. And I do, I don't get to drink and party the whole time, but it's, uh, oh. it's still a lot of fun. Oh, I did. I did. That never stopped me. What are you talking? No, I did not. <laughs> I was gonna say, it's funny though. My husband will always, he's a big bourbon guy. And so he loves bourbon. And at every wedding, they're like, come on, man, you got to have yep. some bourbon. And I'm like, 
what? Yep, they would all, yeah, as the, as the night went on, once we were at the end of the night, because lots of times they'd be like, oh, let me get you a beer, and it would be like, ah, I'm working. But around 9 o'clock at night, they'd offer again, I go, okay, just as long as you know, I had my first my first beer at 9 o'clock. So it's, yeah. I mean, if, if they're paying you and they're giving you that, that's, you know, well, the it's gr- all good. Well, the greatest scam I ever pulled off was I was working while I was in college, and, you know, when, you, when you're younger, if you're in a fraternity or sorority, you know, your first couple of years, you're like, yay, go beta. And by your senior year, you're like, okay, I, you know, I've been, I've been to this party before because we do it every semester. And so what I would do is I would schedule myself to be the photographer at my own fraternity and I would get paid to be there. And when we would have like an out of town formal or dance, I, I didn't have a girlfriend. I'd bring it. I wouldn't bring a date. I would get paid to go out of town, hang out with my fraternity brothers the whole time and then just take pictures at the party. And it was like, that might've been the greatest scam I ever pulled off in college. It was just like, awesome. I got to go to my own fraternity's events and I was paid, you know, dozens of dollars to be there. <laughs> yeah, I I did go to one wedding where I wasn't the photographer recently in the past, uh, probably only one in like the past five years. And I was so bored. Like it was great, but I was just like, so what do we just dance now. <laughs> so I used to go to my friend's weddings and bring my camera and I would take like all the pictures. I can't tell you of like the, the tables and people dancing. And because I was a party photographer first, I was really good at it. I wasn't like as good at the fancy stuff on the altar, but the reception, man, you'd never find somebody recover cover a reception better than me. And literally <laughs> the, the people would be like some of our favorite pictures at the wedding from the wedding, the bride and groom would be like, are the ones Tom took? Hey, that's great. That's great. You got you to keep it going at the reception. <laughs> that's right. So the last question I ask everybody is, I think entrepreneurs need to do more than just make money. I think it's about leaving your mark behind. What do you do to give back to the greater good? So I knew you are going to ask this. And <laughs> well, because you listen to the show. <laughs> yes, yes, because I do. Well, I asked a friend because I was like, I feel like you can always look at other people and see what they're doing better than you can see what you're doing yourself. Hmm. And she said, Susan, you have to talk about your son, Zane. So uh, our son, Zane, we adopted him last year and he was born overseas in Eastern Europe and he was born without an esophagus. Mm. And so that's been our kind of our project for the last two years is getting him, well, two and a half years now, getting him home, getting his body all pieced back together perfectly. And I mean, we've got to watch him eat for the first time when he was four years old. Uh, he had a G tube until then. And so wow. there's just all this stuff that's so cool. And we're, we're very big adoption advocates. We were before, but now it's just a bigger thing to us. Cause it's more real. He was not supposed to live past 10 years old over there. That was kind of his life expectancy. And here, I mean, he'll be an old man. The sky's, so, sky's the limit. Yes. God, I, so I, I remember you talking about your daughter and, uh, it throws you for a loop as a parent when things like that you know, come up and medical stuff and you're visiting hospitals and doctors. And we ended up having to go to Boston Children's Hospital for his surgery. And we live in Virginia. So I was like, well, that's far. But (laughs) yeah, well, you've heard you've heard my story. We went to we live in Texas and Kate had her skull rebuilt at San Diego Rady Children's Hospital. So sometimes you have to go where the right doctor is. You do. And, you know, the first time we saw his picture, I actually found him on Facebook. Funny enough, a friend shared his picture on Facebook. And I was like, oh no, that's my kid. I need to go get him. Where does wow. he live? <laughs> wow. And, um, but when it, when it's your kid, you, you do whatever it takes. And we are, we are stronger advocates for adoption than ever these days. And so we try to do fundraisers for other friends who are adopting and whether it be locally or internationally, we, uh, <laughs> our, some of our friends adopted internationally with special needs a couple of years before us. And me and my husband, 
we were big talkers. We always kind of have heart to hearts on these things. And I was like, listen. And he's like, yeah, I want to adopt, but not internationally and not, not special needs. Like, I don't really feel like that. And I was like, me neither. I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> and then, and then we did. <laughs> I want to know what else you don't want to do that you're going to do big time in the future. Cause you didn't want to start a business and you didn't want to adopt a special needs kid. And yet you're rocking it and giving this kid a chance at life that he never would have had. Like I said, I, I, I got goosebumps from that story. Is he going to have any other, any other stuff he has to deal with? Or is this something that, that once he's fully grown, you know, it'll be just a chapter. Um, both. He still needs two more surgeries. So we've got that coming up either this summer or next summer, depending on when our insurance feels it's necessary to Mm. give him a good life. And then, um, but by the time he's an adult, really, I mean, right now we're, we're still, he's learning English. He's learning his numbers. He's learning everything in life. Um, but he's so smart. And so what, once he is taught everything, like, no one's going to know this when he's older, but he will have some killer scars to show off to the girls. In college. <laughs> well, that's what my daughter, we always say about my daughter, Kate, is the ordeal that she went through with her craniofacial surgery is that, you know, she has no memory of it. Her mother and I will never forget. But, yes. uh, but Kate is quick to show you her scar, especially there was a littler kid who'd had a brain tumor and he still had his bandages on, even though they didn't need to take them off. They, they were ready to take them off. He wasn't ready. And Kate was like, I don't know, 12 at the time. And he was like nine. And she said, oh. Here, I'll show you my scar. She pulled her hair back and showed him the scar from where they went into her skull. And the kid was like, wow. And of course, here's an older kid and, and all that. And as soon as we left, he told his mom, we can take the bandages off now. You know, it's like, awesome. wasn't a big deal anymore. So I, you know, I think that that's a cool thing when, when, you know, you can turn that around too and help somebody else. That is so cool. Yeah. And to see what these kids are capable of, you know, it's our, it's our job to take care of them and, and we just, we have to do it. And so whether it's your kid or not, we all have to kind of pitch in and help help the kids. Well, you, you have a big heart. I can tell that. So I wish you all the luck in the world with everything you're doing with your family and your community and then also with Fowler Studios. So here's a question for you. If somebody's listening to this and they think, I need to know more about this Susan Fowler or, oh my gosh, we live, you know, we live in, uh, in the Virginia area. We need a photographer or a videographer or they're just looking for another good podcast because how many times can you listen to cool things entrepreneurs do? The answer is 348 as of today, but still they might need another one. How do they find you? All right. Well, you can find all things podcast at fulltimehustle.net. We also have it on Instagram, Fulltime Hustle, or Fulltime Hustle Podcast on Instagram. And then everything Fowler Studios is under that name. So Instagram, Fowler Studios, or fowlerstudios.net. And it's Fowler, like F-O-W-L-E-R. My Southern accent tends to ruin the spelling for people. <laughs> <laughs> F-O-W-L-E-R studios.com. Hey, I got to tell you, I am so glad you reached out. This was a delightful conversation. I feel like we're old friends. Great. Yeah. So. I feel the same way, but I've listened to you a lot more. Than you've to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I just talked to you for the first time now, but thank you so much for reaching out. This has been fantastic. And everybody I know got a lot of inspiration from your story. So I say it at the end of every show. Thank you to the audience. If it wasn't for you tuning in and listening to these things, we wouldn't have a show. And lately, people have been doing things like writing in and saying what they've liked about the recent episodes. So please, you can email me anytime at tom at tomsinger.com. You also can find me on Facebook, uh, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, on Twitter, at Cool Podcast. You can join the coaching program, which is the Potential Mastermind Project. That's just potentialmastermind.com. And uh, if you're thinking about wanting to maybe learn to speak, 
I might be starting kind of a pilot program for people who not want to be full-time speakers, but maybe want to monetize a little bit on the side. I still don't know what that looks like, but if you're interested, email me at Tom at Tom Singer, and the pilot program is going to be really, really affordable. So uh, now's the chance to just get in touch with me, and I'm still working out the details, but you know in advance. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with a, some somebody just as cool as Susan Fowler. I know you're thinking, how? How is that possible? But we always do it. In the meantime, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.